Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, we are in week four of our series called Full. And we are taking a look at what is necessary to live a life that is full of faith. Considering the last year and a half, everything that you and I might have been through, some of us might feel at this point, my faith tank feels a little low. It feels a little empty. And with this series, we've been discovering what does it take? What ingredients, what building blocks do I need to have in place to make sure that I have a faith that is full? Now today, we want to look at the the concept or the idea of that person or those people. Let me explain. We all know a person that when thinking of them or when talking about them, the conversation kind of always leans to your, one day I want to have faith like that person. Or wow, that person, they like read Bible and they understand scripture. I want to understand scripture the way they understand scripture. Or wow, have you heard that specific person pray? I've stood next to them during a prayer meeting and man, I wish I could pray like them. We all know that person or those people. Now today we want to look at the building block of people when it comes to building and sustaining an enduring faith in your life and in my life. The building block of people. We need people around us to help us get to that moment one day where you and I will hear, well done my good and faithful servant, come and share in my joy. Now remember, this is week four, so we've already covered like a whole bunch of other topics. So today we specifically want to look at the building block of people when it comes to building a faith that is full of life. Now, right from the start, I believe that there are two groups of people that will listen to this sermon. The first group of people, the moment I said that person or those people, you had someone specific that kind of popped into your mind. Maybe it was a friend that encouraged you in a moment where you really needed some encouragement. Maybe it was someone that prayed for you. Maybe it was a group of friends that brought food to your house during a season where you were facing some difficulties. Maybe it was someone that shared a timely word with you somewhere that changed your life. Someone that mentored you in the faith. Someone that discipled you. Someone that did life with you in such a way that you love Jesus more because of it. Someone that brought encouragement, perspective, hope and insight into moments where you needed it most. That person or those people that have played a crucial role in building and sustaining an enduring faith in your life. And if you fall into that category today, I'm trusting that this sermon will not only remind you again today of the necessity of people in your life to help build faith into you, but that you would also be reminded today to be someone like that, to be that person or to be those people for someone else. People that will build faith into one another's hearts. But maybe you fall into a second category. And I believe that that might be a category of people that the minute I said that person or those people that have built faith into other people's lives, you might not feel like that. And that could be for a whole bunch of different reasons. Maybe you are new to the Christian faith. 
Maybe you're new to church, you're not that connected just yet. Or maybe you are just so used to doing life and doing faith alone. Maybe you have grown up with this whole mentality of my faith in Jesus, you know, it's between me and God and it's private and no one else need be involved. And I'm hoping that with this sermon today, that God by His Holy Spirit, that He would reveal to you, that He would open up this incredible new avenue, the, the, the treasure and the wealth that lies in people around you to help build faith into your heart. Faith that will endure, faith that will be sustained, faith that will carry you to that moment one day where you and I will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. So right before we dive into that, I want to pray that for us. So Jesus, we trust you, Father, that through this word today, that you would remind us about the necessity of people in our lives to help build faith into our hearts whether I'm used to this and I've heard this many times over and over or whether this might be something brand new to me today. Jesus, we trust that you would come and minister to our hearts. Amen. Now, this is going to be a real simple sermon. So firstly, if you are taking notes, I want to encourage you to get out your Bible, get out your notebooks. But the first point, super easy, super simple to understand. But the first point is literally this. You need that person or those people. That's it. You need that person. In fact, one of the very first expressions or insight that we get into God's character is himself being in this constant, eternal relationship with the other two that form part of the Trinity. Genesis 1 verse 26 kind of reveals this moment where God makes known something of his nature, something of his character, something that is unique to himself. You see everything in Genesis 1 from verse 1 to 25 is like action. It's creation. God speaks. Things explode into being. It's incredible. But then in verse 26, we have this moment where we are kind of introduced to the person who's busy creating the person who's busy speaking. It's like the start of a really good movie where the narrator, he's kind of explaining what's happening. But then somewhere along the lines, the camera kind of pans around and you're in, you are introduced to the voice kind of behind the story. And in verse 26, we have that moment where we are introduced to the person who's speaking. And it's in this moment where God reveals something of his nature and who he is. It says in verse um, chapter 1, verse 26 in Genesis, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Now this sentence firstly reveals something of God's nature, but it also reveals something of our nature, you and I. Firstly, it reveals that God's very nature, His character is relational and community driven. God says, let's make man in our image. Now, us and our are key words in this sentence because it's, it's stating that God is in an eternal state of relationship and community with Himself as God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. His very nature is relational. So secondly, that must mean that you and I who are created in His image, we are also created as relational beings. You and I, friend, no, no one is an exception to this rule. You and I were made 
to be in relationship with one another. You see, we need that person or those people in our lives to help build faith. It's right after this moment where God reveals another kind of um, key element to who he is as God. And it's when he creates Adam in Genesis 2. Then the Lord God said, this is in verse 18, it's not good that man should be alone. All the single guys go, hallelujah, that's like my life verse. I take that. I'll take it to the bank. It's not good for me to be alone. And we very often use this verse when speaking about marriage and rightly so, it does fit into that context. But more importantly, Genesis 2 verse 18 reveals something of God's creation, i.e. you and me, and the fact that it's not good for us to be alone. You and I, we need that person or those people. Now you might think, well, that's just super outdated. Genesis, it's the very first book in the Bible. Some of those things, you know, they aren't that applicable anymore. But the New Testament alone has over 50 one another statements. Statements like love one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, build up one another, admonish one another, care for one another, serve one another, forgive one another, bear with one another, comfort one another, encourage one another exhort one another, pray for one another. And my favorite one, confess your sin to one another. Here's the truth today. Isolation and social separation does not work in the Christian walk. It doesn't work. And if you think about the way we've been living, living our lives the past year and a half, and this truth we are discovering, it doesn't fit together. We might be forced at the moment due to, you know, a pandemic out there to kind of live more separate from one another. But that is not God's ideal for your life or for my life. You need that person. You need those people. Maybe you feel far away from God at the moment. Maybe the last few months has just been, it's been too much for you. Maybe you are feeling a little bit burnt out, a little bit overwhelmed, alone, isolated. Maybe your faith tank is empty. It's feeling low. Can I suggest that maybe you feel far away from God because you have drifted away from your spiritual family? Andy Stanley says the following, people usually drift away from their community of faith before drifting away from their faith. And I agree with that. People usually drift away from their community of faith before drifting away from their faith. Now you might be thinking, I agree with that, but luckily I'm married, I have a spouse. We've been having community the last year and a half at home by ourselves. Or maybe you are thinking, I agree with that, but luckily I, I'm living with my girlfriend or my boyfriend or I have this roommate or this housemate and we've been having community. Life is good. Can I suggest that there is something deeply spiritual that you are missing out on if you are not connected to your spiritual family? You are missing out if you do not have that person and those people around you to help build faith into your life. Here's the truth. Your spouse, your living girlfriend or boyfriend, your roommate, your housemate, 
they alone cannot bear the spiritual weight of your spiritual growth and sanctification. God created you to live a relational life in connection with His people. Gilbert Benazikian, how's that for a surname? He's an author and a pastor, but he writes the following. He says, community is deeply grounded in the nature of God. We discovered that in Genesis. It flows from who God is. Because He is community, He creates community. It is His gift of Himself to humans. Therefore, Hang on to your seats because this might be a little bit rough to swallow. But he says, therefore, being in community may not be regarded as an optional decision for Christians. Yo, that's rough. It is a compelling and irrevocable necessity, a binding and divine mandate for all believers at all times. You and I, we were made to have that person those people around us to build faith into our lives. Now, what am I not saying? This is an important note. If you're making notes, this is an important one. Write this down. I am not saying that it's Jesus plus community equals salvation. What is necessary for you and me to inherit eternal life, to be declared righteous once and for all in the presence of our Father in heaven? Nothing else but belief in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Salvation is only looking up, looking at the finished work of Jesus and believing in that. But, there's a big but in this sentence. But, there are things regarding your calling, things regarding your purpose on earth, things regarding your sanctification, your growth. There are things regarding God's character that you will not be able to discover in isolation. You will not be able to discover those things unless you are connected to the people of God. You see, in order for you to grow spiritually, you need to be connected relationally. We were made for that person and those people around us in our lives. Secondly, community means proximity and regularity. Acts 2, um, it's a wonderful piece of scripture. I want to encourage you to write it down, go and read it, go and study it. But Acts chapter 2 gives us incredible insight uh, regarding the impact that people can have on your life and my life when it comes to the building of faith in us. In verse 42, in Acts chapter 2, we read and it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Just a quick, like for free side note right there. Do you notice it says the believers devoted themselves? The pastor didn't devote them. Their parents didn't devote them. Their friends did not devote them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. How incredible is that? Every day they got together to worship met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared meals with great joy and generosity. That's something our church really loves. We love getting together around food. 
and it ends off by saying, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You see, the very first expression we have of church had community ingrained in it. For the early church, the idea of living a connected life, doing life together, being part of community, having that person or those people around you to build faith, it wasn't optional. It wasn't something they did. It wasn't something they had to tick off once a week. No, it's who they were. They understood that part of their nature being created in God's very image meant living a connected life to fellow believers. Community was not a once a week thing for the early church. It was who they were. Now you might ask, to what end? Why is this so important? Why, what makes Christian fellowship different to any other social club? What makes Christian fellowship, having that person or those people around you any different to my friends at CrossFit or at the gym or that book club I belong to or that dinner club I belong to? To what end? The scripture answers that question. It says, firstly, people get saved. When God's people come together, new people are added to their numbers. People get saved in Christian fellowship. Secondly, people are discipled and matured. It says, when they came together, a deep sense of awe came upon them. Awe for what? Awe for whom? Awe for God. Worship comes naturally when the people of God get together. We are discipled. We mature in our faith. And thirdly, people are activated. In Acts chapter 2, we see serving and generosity being such an important part of everyday Christian life. But no one had to tell them that. No one had to explain to them the value of serving or the value of generosity. It came naturally from spending time with God's people. Maybe you feel that your faith is lost at the moment. Can I suggest that maybe your faith just needs to be activated again? That doesn't mean being saved again and again and again. That's not what I'm saying. But one of the, the key building blocks, one of the key ingredients to living a life that is full of faith, an enduring faith, a faith that can be sustained until you one day see Jesus for yourself face to face is His people. And here's the thing, it's impossible to experience that building up of an endearing faith through a once a week, hour and a half service on a Sunday. It needs to spill over into everyday life. It needs to spill over into your Monday to your Saturday. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Now sharpening, you know, cannot happen physically if you only have one instance of friction between two pieces of metal or iron. That's not how it works, no. Sharpening happens by constant, continual friction between two pieces of iron. Now likewise, your sharpening, your discipleship, your growing up in faith, your maturing, your sanctification cannot happen by a once a month meeting with God's people. Spiritual sharpening takes place by constant day-to-day -day friction and contact with people who build faith into your life. 
Hebrews 10 verse 25, the writer writes, he says, let us not neglect our meeting together. This is one of my favorite verses. Don't neglect meeting together, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Speaking about the day of Jesus' return. Now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's an important sentence because that means now. That means we ought to get together now. That means we ought to encourage one another now. Stir one another to love and good works now. This is not for a later season when COVID is over. Are there certain realities we need to be wise in at the moment? Yes, absolutely. But getting together with God's people cannot be in its full function or effect again only once COVID is over or when I have time or when my studies are less intense or when my test you know, timetable is not that hectic or when my kids are a little bit bigger so life is less chaotic. No, meeting together with God's people, having people, that person, those people around you to build faith into your life needs to happen now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul writes about the, the different expressions of church. And he writes in chapter 14 that we are the temple of God. Now we sometimes read that scripture and we go, great, I am the temple of God. Here I go, me temple. And to a certain extent, that's true. But that's not what Paul meant when he wrote that we are the temple of God. You see, in this passage, the word you that Paul writes when he says you are the temple of God was not meant to be read as a singular. It was meant to be read as a plural statement. So that means when he writes you are the temple of God, he's referring to people. He's not referring to one specific person. He's referring to the people, the church, the bride of Christ. I have many stories of that person or those people in my own life. Let me tell you a few. So for example, Anya Okamp, uh, she might even watch this somewhere. Uh, you might know her, but she was the very first person that invited me to church. I got radically saved on a youth camp. I was young. I had no clue what church was. I did not come from a religious background. And literally in that week, following my very radical salvation, Anya sends me an SMS still at that stage, and she invited me to church. Wow, pivotal moment for my own growth as a follower, follower and a disciple of Jesus. Someone inviting me to church. Or Bryce and C.N., they were my very first community group leaders. And they were the ones who firstly encouraged me to go on an outreach for the first time. I was young. I was inexperienced. I was still a scholar. I think I was like 16 at that stage. And I felt, yo, the church is going on an outreach to Zimbabwe. I want to go with. But what worth can I possibly add to an outreach being a 16-year-old? And Bryce and C.N., my home cell leaders at that stage, encouraged me, Aiden, go for it. Go and serve the church in Zimbabwe. Wow, pivotal moment in my own faith journey. Someone encouraging me to go on an outreach. Friends like Yancy or Liesl, some of you might even know them, but they encouraged me during a season when I faced severe depression, could not get out of bed, wanted to give up on faith and life entirely, and they spoke words of encouragement into my life. Wow, pivotal moment regarding my faith journey. 
or my husband. That speaks for itself. My wonderful husband, he sharpens me every single day. He encourages me. He makes me want to love Jesus more. Do you have people like that around you? People that can speak truth into your life. People that can build faith into your life. Are you someone like that? Are you a type of follower or a type of disciple that helps build faith into those around you? I want to end off with this. We can tell a lot about someone's life and character by their last words, famous last words. And I want to read to you some of Jesus' last words in his time on earth in John chapter 17 from verse 17. This is Jesus praying for his disciples and praying for you and me. He prays, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these, speaking about the disciples that were with him, I'm not only praying for these, but also for all who will ever believe in me through them. That's you and me, he's praying for us. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Think about this, Jesus, the Son of God, He saw it as a fitting end to His life on earth to pray that you and I would be connected to one another. How profound is that? He prayed that you and I would be connected relationally to one another. To what end? So that we can drink coffee and eat food and have fun. Yes, those things are important, but that's not the point. He prayed that you and I would be connected as a community of believers, the fellowship of believers, so that enduring, sustaining faith can be built into your heart and my heart. Here's the truth today. You need that person. You need those people to help make your faith strong. And I wanna encourage you, whether you are well connected to this local family, continue doing so. Invite new people to your community. Open up the door, open up spaces for people to come and discover what you have discovered regarding the wealth and the treasure of the people of God. But I also wanna encourage you, if you are not yet connected, if you are still on the outskirts of church, if you are still just only checking things out, if you are still that person that just kind of comes and goes once a month, I wanna encourage you, I wanna plead with you, take one step closer to church, take one step closer to the people of God and watch what happens when you open up yourself so that the people of God can come around you to help build faith 
strong faith, enduring faith into your life. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you did not save us in isolation. You did not save us so that we can figure life out by ourselves, for ourselves, from ourselves. But you save us into a family. You save us into a new household, God's household, the people that you have created after your own likeness. Jesus, may we be known as a connected people, a unified people whose lives center around Jesus, the Son of God. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.